0: Good morning, church. Please open your Bibles up to Luke chapter 1 if you have them. We are officially, however, moving into the Christmas season. And I know that you have heard of the 12 days of Christmas. I wanted to kick this off with the 12 jokes of Christmas. You ready? No. (laughs) That's why they let me preach, not you. (laughs) <laughs> that was spontaneous. I guess how that's good. Right? Why was Santa's helper depressed? Because he had a very low elf esteem. What do you call a broke Santa Claus? Saint Nicholas. How much did Santa pay for his sleigh? Answer, nothing. It was on the house. <laughs> What do you call an elf wearing earmuffs? Anything you want, he can't hear you. (laughs) What nationality is Santa Claus? Well, that's obvious. North Polish. (laughs) What do you call an obnoxious reindeer? You'll get this one. Rude off. What do you call Santa's helpers? Subordinate clauses. (laughs) That's for all you grammar teachers. What did Adam say to his wife on Christmas? It's finally Christmas Eve. (laughs) What's the difference in the Christmas alphabet and an ordinary alphabet? Ah, it's easy. The Christmas alphabet has no L. (laughs) What do you call an elf that can sing and dance? I love this one. (laughs) Elphus. What do elves learn in school? the alphabet, (laughs) and then last but not least, how do you say, how do sheep say Merry Christmas in Mexico? Feliz Navidad. (laughs) All right. That's your first gift for the Christmas season, which means the quality of your gifts can only go up from here. Amen? (laughs) Amen. Well, it is no secret the sportsmen have been blessed with a wonderful gift for the holidays. That is little Miss Nora Reed Branham. Nora, named after uh, my daughter Lauren's favorite screenwriter, Nora Ephron, and Reed after her favorite grandmother, actually her faith grandmother, Carlene Reed. We love her name, but even more, we love that little girl who's wearing it. And most of you understand why. As far as gifts go, We have received the best gift, I think, in 2019. uh, When God said yes to our prayers, and I thank so many of you who prayed for us as we traveled up there last Sunday and prayed about the the birth and everything that went with it, and God said yes in an amazing way. She is a gift that keeps on giving. Um, I know this is not the first time you've heard that phrase. You can go ahead and go to the next slide, guys. The gift that keeps on giving. How many of you here have heard that before? Raise your hand. Okay, I thought so. I didn't think I was just shooting in the dark. When you hear the, the, the term gift that keeps on giving, what comes to your mind besides the 12 jokes of Christmas? No. <laughs> Cousin Eddie? <laughs> Jesus? What comes to your mind? Pardon? usually have the sarcastic... Sometimes it's a negative thing, right? When people say, that's the gift that keeps on giving. And we're going to talk about that side of the gift that keeps on giving. But for some of us, some of you think, well, my maid, of course. Or maybe a, a special car, a favorite pet, a favorite golf club. Our church family, your home, your phone. I'm not saying any of these are, are, are should be the, the gift that keeps on giving when you think of that. But they just are. They're gifts that have been given to you, and they, they didn't just... Do something in your heart and, and make life better for the moment when you received it? No. They've kept on giving. The series that we're launching today is going to bear this title. For the sportsmen in the Branham families, Nora I think fits that description. Every time I've been around her, I mean, she's just been an absolute blessing, even when she was crying. And I anticipate more of the same. So many of you who are grandparents have assured me there's more of the same. But I want you to understand this. I also anticipate some discouragements. I also anticipate some disappointments. You've also told me that those come with the package too. But you know what? They've come with every single relationship I've ever had in my life, including mine with God. When I think about the gift that keeps on giving, he's he's tops of the list. I don't have to. I have to work very hard at, at at beginning the list, the ways in which he continues to give in my life every single day. It's not hard for me to make a list of of, of things I'm thankful for for him. I do that often. I think that keeps some of the, the skids greased for that. But it's not hard. But you know what? There's a there's a list of disappointments, even with him. There's a list of discouragements, even with him. And here's why: it's a relationship. And that happens in relationships. So, what's the gift that keeps on giving? I hope that when we're done, someone said it a while ago when we were talking about it, that you can say for sure in your life it's Jesus. Because he really is the gift that keeps on giving. And if and if you are putting your feet in the water, maybe for the first time in a long time, because of the Thanksgiving holidays, you got dragged to, to church and you're listening to this sermon really kind of against your will, I just I just want to say this. It's because God wanted you here today. And wanted to remind you, no matter what you've seen as far as Christians or, or what you've known as church, that Jesus Christ is still the gift of all gifts you could ever receive that will keep on giving. He is. The Christmas story that we're about to launch into is written by a man who was a doctor. You may know some doctors. You may go to some doctors. But this particular doctor became a follower of Jesus Christ, and he wrote down a historical account of this man's life who changed his forever. He he was the gift in his life that kept on giving, and he just had to write about it. He's not the only one who has. He's one of four that have written in Scripture uh, who Jesus was and what he was all about. But he launches his story of the Christmas story, his part of it with a unique story about two people that, that really are a little bit odd when you think about the Christmas story that we so much sing about and hear about and celebrate. But, but it's how I want to launch this season uh, of Christmas this year in our church family. And I don't know about you, I just want to go on record saying this, I just love Christmas. I love talking about it. I love singing about it. I love being a part of it. Because there's something about coming back to this historical story that, that just resets my faith every single year that the impossible is always possible with God. There's just something about it that just, that just ignites that in me. And I think this story that Luke begins his gospel with fits. He starts with this. In the time of Herod of Judea. He gives us some historical context here. This isn't fiction. This isn't just once upon a time myth. Luke is saying, I was there. I was a part of this. He rocked our world. And it started in the the time of Herod, king of Judea. It was a time in which Rome was the empire of the world. Absolutely without question. And Herod was the chief magistrate over the area of Judea that Luke lived in. And the Jews, which Luke was, detested them. Absolutely detested them. Their land had been stolen from them. They were being taxed into poverty. Herod kept the Jews on a very, very short leash as far as a people group in Jerusalem. There were very, very dark times politically, economically, and even spiritually for the nation of Israel. Now, hear this number. For it seems like 400 years No, it was 400 years since God had actively moved on behalf, it seemed, of the nation of Israel to make them the people that they assumed they should be because they were God's people. 400 years. We haven't even been a nation that long. Almost twice as long as we've been a nation. God's not moved in their lives in a way that makes them feel like He's the God that they've heard about all of their lives When they go to temple. And it's just devastated them. It's into that time that Luke writes these words. Many at all but given up on the promised Messiah. The one who was going to come after the, the the great kings David and Solomon. And restore Israel to its glory. To its God blessed. God honored across the globe glory. But that wasn't happening. They were afraid that maybe their prayers weren't being listened to at all. They still prayed them. But there was always this gnawing idea, does this really even matter? Luke goes on, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees decrees blamelessly. I don't know how you read that, but I read it just, they're good people. Everybody in the world would want Zechariah and Elizabeth to be their next door neighbor. Everybody would want them in your life group. The name Zachariah means faithful. The name Elizabeth means promise. Put them together, you get faithful promise. Wow, that's a couple. That's a power couple if I've ever heard of one. And they were, they were good, good people. But sometimes good people don't have children at all, ever. They didn't. In spite of their Jewish pedigree, in spite of the fact that they both were faithfully serving God, they had no children to show for it, and they're in the winter of their lives. The hope of them ever having children has long since disappeared, which, pause button here, I want to just underscore, can happen to all of us, any of us. Whoever tries to follow God, this could be true of your life. That some way, somehow, in spite of your faithfulness and your desire to be obedient to Him, there could be some blessings, certain blessings that are never yours. And I think some of you this season of Christmas need to hear that going into it. That's true of good people. Because I know there's some good people sitting in this audience right now. Some people that I know are walking as faithfully as I know any human beings can walk. And yet there's some darkness in your life. Maybe even potentially death in your life. And right now you're wondering, how, how is this happening? If I'm His and He's mine, how is this happening? For some of you, it may not be children. It may be several things that you have hoped God would birth in your life. And it doesn't even seem like conceptions taking place. You've been begging Him for these things for years, and it's just not happening. It's not. The story this morning is for you. On behalf of God, it's for you. On top of the lack of their response to prayers, it's probably broken their hearts towards God. It's it's broken their reputation in the community. Luke starts by saying, these are blameless, good, good people. But I want you to understand, in their culture, if you didn't have children mm that's a sign that something was wrong we may not know about it but there's something wrong here or God would be blessing you with the child can you imagine the shame that Elizabeth was walking around with can you imagine what what she feels like when she goes to the sequence game at her lady's best friend's house or or when Zach goes to to play poker can they play poker Yeah, no, we can't dance, but we can play poker. Okay. Um, (laughs) So their lives were good, but there was always that wondering amongst the community, what's going on at Zach and Elizabeth's place? Because they're not having kids, and we all know that that when you lead a God-honoring life, he blesses you, particularly with children. You want to talk about a silent night? Elizabeth knows what a silent night is all about. And you can imagine, most of you, with even the smallest of imaginations, the the pleading, the shouting, the bargaining maybe that Elizabeth did with God, if you will, I will. No answer. For years upon years upon years until she goes through menopause. And now all of a sudden this prayer request has been scratched off her journal permanently. Some of you know some folks who are struggling with infertility. And I think at this time of the year it can be incredibly crushing. And I just want to say if you're here this morning and you're a part of that select club for the moment, this church cares about you. You matter to us. And the pain that sometimes can come on because of what you see in a mall, or what you see maybe even when you walk in a church building, or you hear in a worship service like this that that seems to be focused on a baby in a manger... Reminds you, you don't have a baby in your manger. And I just want to say, we're going to walk with you through this season together, okay? And you matter. And we will pray with you and for you for that to change. It may not change. But the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth says this clearly. Oh, but it may. It may. Once when Zachariah's division was on duty, Luke goes on with, he was serving as a priest before God, and he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. We got that scripture, guys? There we go. When the time for burning incense came, all assembled worshipers were praying outside. This doesn't register much with me, Zach getting to go to the temple and to burn incense. That sounds like passing communion. I mean, that's a, that's a special thing that we get to do, but we do that almost on autopilot. I was watching some of you do it almost on autopilot. I do it on almost on autopilot when I have the chance to do it, and I'm not up here. This was like, you need to hear, earning the right to go to the Super Bowl. This was like making the Olympic finals. Even coming out of this particular tribe that that of priests, this was... This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It just didn't happen very often. Some guys, it never happened ever. It just The lot didn't come up for them. It did for Zachariah, and so he goes into the temple on Super Bowl Sunday for him, and he's praying a prayer, maybe one of the prayers that, that was prayed often by those who walk into the second most holy place. The Holy of Holies is the most holy place, entered only by the high priest once a year to, to atone for the sins of the people. This is the, the holy place. Very few people got to go there, ever And he enters and he's burning incense and he's saying prayers, one of which is probably a messianic prayer. Please, Lord, send us this king. Like David, like Solomon, who will will restore the kingdom. No, make it better than ever before. He's praying those prayers. When all of a sudden, the scripture says this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with what, church? Fear. Say it one more time. Now, I ask you to say it because I want you to understand something. Hallmark and Hollywood may have changed how all this actually feels and is in reality, but the Christmas story is marked by fear. Okay? It's marked by fear. Especially, I think, when it comes to angels. Hallmark and Hollywood have just absolutely... Changed the reality of what the scripture writers tend to have us believe they are. Here's an angel. Go ahead, next. Gail, how did you, did you, Patrick, you did this right? Next picture. This is really the angels I wanted you to see. That's how we see and think of angels most of the time. That's intimidating, isn't it? <laughs> no. Makes you want to cuddle one of them. Right? Next next one. It struck fear. It struck fear into Zachariah. He almost melted right there on the spot. And the angel doesn't leave him there long. He says, oh, don't be afraid. Some of you have walked in here today, I guarantee you, in the beginning of this season of Christmas. And that's a phrase you need to hear. Because you may have been fearful when you walked in this door, but I I hope you leave here fearless. And you can, because God's angels are present. You don't see them like I showed you those pictures, but He assures us that wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there with you. There's, there's, There's supernatural presence here in this place because we've come together under the name of all names, As Ray prayed about a while ago. The king of all kings. And he sends a messenger to Zachariah and Elizabeth at a very special moment in his life. And he just almost falls over dead with fear. And he says, "Well, well, well, You don't have to be afraid. I have not come to scare you. I've come to save you. I've come to save you. Because your prayer has been heard. Next scripture. Next slide. Your prayer has been heard. Now that one probably had to throw Zechariah off because, what, are you talking about a habib, my nephew's prayer for, to get into med school? You're talking about my next door neighbor's prayer for the cow? It's not a prayer for a child. That one's been scratched off the prayer journal. Remember? They're old. They're ancient. What prayer is he talking about? Well, he doesn't leave them there very long. He says this, your wife Elizabeth is going to bear you a son. And you're going to call him John, and he will be a joy and a delight to you. And many people will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now many of you know the, the child that this angel is speaking of is John the Baptist. Ma. Nah. <laughs> This guy is going to do some pretty extraordinary things for the kingdom of God. In extraordinary ways that hadn't been seen in over 400 years. And and it's all going to come from some very ordinary people. At a pretty ordinary time it seems like in history. And he's going to prepare the way for another extraordinary baby who's going to be coming. Who is going to do extraordinary or more things. Is that a word? Extraordinary or more? But He's going to do that through some very, very ordinary people. But that story is for next week. God loves to come to ordinary people and to bless their socks off in un- unexpected, out of the ordinary, no, extraordinary way. And to lead them into a relationship with the gifts of all gifts. That's why at the heart of our mission is this. To lead ordinary people into an extraordinary relationship with the gift that keeps on giving. Jesus Christ. Zach is not prepared for this. I mean, yes, it's Super Bowl. Yes, it's the Olympic finals. But he wasn't expecting this. The prayer that you're afraid is about to be heard. You're going to have a child, I'm not sure Zach hears anything past your wife is going to bring you a baby and the rest is just kind of wah, 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 wah. I'm going to have a boy? Are you kidding me? Catches him totally by surprise. And what a child he's going to be. And yet Zach's having trouble believing this because he, like many of us, focuses on in the moment How in the world is this going to happen? How in the world are we going to get out of bankruptcy? How do you do that? How how does a marriage survive an affair? Pancreatic cancer? Survive that how? Leukemia? At my age? Survive that how? Zach says, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. Look, I don't know how this works up there in the heavenly realm up there, but down here in earth time, in earth place, uh, old people don't have new babies. It just doesn't happen. This doesn't make sense how this could happen. (laughs) He decides to give the angel a biology lesson. I love that. I'm an old man, my wife is along in years just saying, hey, it's not happening here. But he's in the temple of God. And the impossible is possible with a God who's in that temple. And I just want to say this to those of you who actually believe you're the walking temple of God. God's done with place worship. He, He places himself in people. And you are that temple of God. And I want to say on behalf of him, when he's in the room, anything's possible. And if he's within your heart, listen to me clearly. On behalf of this guy who gave us his story, is sending a not-so-angelic messenger, moi, to say this. Don't be afraid. Whatever you walked in here with it's made you fearful, don't be afraid. Because the God who does the impossible is here with you. Please hear that. I know you've been praying just the macro prayers. God, please bless the earth with peace. Uh, Thank you for our food. Um, Please bless our country. You've abandoned the micro prayers about please help me with my addiction. Please help me with my depression. Please help me with my eyes and it's lust. Please help me with. You've abandoned those prayers because it seems like you have been praying those prayers and they have fallen on deaf ears. And this story of Zachariah and Elizabeth has been given to us to launch the story of all stories by saying, God hears you, He hears you. Even when He doesn't respond in the way that you want or in the timing that you want, this passage, this story, this historical reference is given to us to say, He hears you and wants to do amazing things through you. <laughs> the angel says, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you good news. Hey, He's going to go right past the how to the who. We got that one guys. Go to the who slide. Because I want that those big bold letters to be right in their minds right now. Boom. Would you please quit worrying about the how you're going to get out of bankruptcy. Or how you're going to handle the cancer. Or how you're going to handle the difficult marriage. And would you for a moment remember the who. Who can help you with that. The one who speaks words in galaxies form. The one who speaks words in the DNA strands invented. The one who speaks words and all of a sudden a human being like I would roll some mud and make a little ball just turned into a person when he breathes into it. That's the who. And that's who's come to Elizabeth and Zechariah. And he's brought an incredible message. You don't have to be afraid. You're going to have a boy. Your prayers have been heard. Now, I don't know how Zachariah was asking this. I don't, I don't understand the consequences of all this, but I just know this, that in a moment when God comes to share good news with Abraham, he wants to focus more on the how instead of the who. And so he's going to get to experience a timeout. That's not just for little kids. It's also for us big kids. And we can sometimes be put in timeout when we decide it's more important to speak than it is to Listen what he's trying to say. And so Zach's going to be put in timeout. Here's what the scripture says. And now you will be silent and unable to speak until this day happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. Hmm. A priest of God is going to get a timeout. Someone probably in his 70s, maybe 80s is going to get a timeout. Let me say it again because he chose in a moment when he should have been listening, he chose to speak with objections instead of receiving the truth in love by faith. Here's what's going on outside. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision, though, in the temple. Something had gone on in there for he kept making signs of them but remained unable to speak just like the angel said. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. Both of my girls were pregnant within about three months of each other. Lauren has just delivered. the Lord willing, is going to deliver in March. And they each decided to not say anything to anybody until they made it through their first trimester. They kept that news to themselves that they, they were they were with child and Elizabeth is keeping this to herself. And I don't know if it's because she's seen enough births to know that, that just because you get pregnant doesn't mean you're gonna stay pregnant. That could be the reason why that she stays in seclusion for five months. I think it was because of the doubting Debbie's that she would have to confront. Who look at her ancient body and wonder what she's been smoking when she says, I'm having a baby shower? Would you come? Five months she stays in seclusion. I think because she wanted to, to keep the wonder to herself. To keep the, Debbie, the doubting Debbies away, yes, but to keep the wonder to herself and to just rejoice a God who I thought wasn't listening to me has heard my cries. And he said, yes! This Christmas... If I can be so bold about this, I think this is based in the text that we're looking at, but if I can be so bold, God wants you to hear this. This is your Christmas story. It begins with you not thinking God can and Him intervening and saying, Oh yeah? Watch me. Watch me. Do not be afraid. There is an extraordinary blessing And an extraordinary answer to the prayers you've been praying that God wants to give to you in an extraordinary fashion. Yes, and I know you're an ordinary person. Ordinary everyday follower of Christ. But He wants to do that for you. I don't know when. I don't know how. All I know is this. He continues to confirm over and over again. 1 John 5.14 When you pray to me, I hear you. And when I hear you, great things happen. When Zechariah is born... Zach is finally able to speak, and Midas, he has something to say. Can I go back to one line in my notes that I really want to have impressed in your mind? It's, It's there. It's the one that says, Christmas is God's announcement that he hears you. I just spoke the words, but I wanted something visually to be there because... That's the announcement I want to make. It's the heartbeat of this message, but it's also, I think, the on-ramp to this Christmas season for our church. There is something God wants you to know, and that is this. He hears you. Now let's move on. Um, When Zach is finally able to speak, when John arrives, he does more than speak. This man sings... (laughs) And here's some of the words that he sings. Through the heartfelt mercies of God, God's sunrise will break in upon us, shining on those in the darkness, those sitting in the shadow of death. Then showing us the way, one foot at a time down a path of peace. (laughs) I'm reading those words. Zach was seeing them. If I'm being a little bit foolish this morning about Nora, oh my, was he being foolish about John. And those words are meant to give you hope, friend. So if you're sitting in the shadow of darkness, and I want to say this, even in the shadow of death, and we have some folks who have family or very close one sitting literally in the shadow of death right now, and I'm sorry. Gil and I have lived in that shadow almost for the last four years Perpetually, in some form or fashion. It is, a, it is a tough place to stay and believe that God is hearing your prayers, that He's really right there, and it really is going to answer and lead us through this shadow of death, just like the shepherd promised He would in the 23rd Psalm. But, but it doesn't seem like we're being led anywhere. This just seems dark, and it seems discouraging, and it seems deflating, and I, I'm just tired of it, God. That's who this story is given to because He wants you to keep on praying and He wants you to keep on obeying. That's the two things I want you to leave here with. Next slide, guys. Please. That's the two things you can do. You keep praying. Again, 1 John 5.14 says, and this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Winning the lottery may not be that. Okay? Um, Being 36, 24, 36 again may not be that. Getting your hair back, guys, may not be that. May not be in His will. But you know what? There's so much more that's in His will that He wants to bless you with if you'll just keep praying about it and then keep obeying. In the midst of when it seems like He's not answering those prayers, when it seems like He's not saying yes to what you're hoping will take place in your life right now, But to be honest, I'm going to tell you on my own, it's tempting to just stop praying. For two reasons most of us don't pray. Number one, because we believe it's irrelevant, it doesn't matter. And number two, because we believe we're irrelevant to God. Wrong on both accounts. At least that's what this scripture, through me, is trying to encourage us to believe today. No, you you matter, and your prayers matter. Keep praying them. Why? Ask Elizabeth and Zachariah. I believe with all my heart God's recorded this for you to hear, for you to be encouraged by today. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says, the fundamental fact of existence is this. Trust in God. This faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It is our handle on what we can't see. It is how we hang on when we can't. C. To help you remember this, I wanted to wrap with this video. Watch.
1: Glue myself. Preparing for a race is something that Noah Carver is no stranger to. Left hand up. The 12-year-old has been running cross country in the Jonesport Beals District since kindergarten. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Cool. Because he can't see where he's going. Which makes strategy extremely important for the blind sixth grader. Long strides, keep a good pace, and gun it once you get to the end. Nice stride, that's all you can do. Noah's secret weapon. Okay, here we go. Right, one. His dad Buzz, who's been his eyes for every single meet this year. Good pace. Guiding his son around turns and over changes in terrain. Ten feet. Three. Two one, on the time. Our goal is to beat the previous week's time. That's our, and if we come in last and and beat the week's time, that's great. Um, but he's never come in last yet, so. Okay, here we go. Buzz comes in early from working on his lobster boat to help Noah at both meets and weekly practices. Got it. Pushing his son to reach his best times. On your toes. And giving him the words of encouragement that help make it happen. Good job, Noah. You doing awesome? He's basically serving as my eyes and guiding me along um, whereas I'm setting the pace and everything else. It doesn't stop at running with Noah. He's as active a kid as any, Whoa. taking part in competitive horseback riding aboard his Mount Larry. There you go. Keep on turning. He also downhill skis, sings in the Washington County Children's Chorus, and hiked Mount Katahdin this summer. It was quite a uh, experience. Noah's mom Suzanne has watched her son push himself through every obstacle in his way. Good job, buddy. Good job. Having her husband by Noah's side has been extra special. Really emotional to watch them um, and to know that they have that special bond as a father and son. On tar, on tar. Buzz doesn't think about meets or finishes as his own times. To him, it's about the young man holding his hand. Here we go. It wouldn't be any different. Wouldn't be any different if he was sighted. I wouldn't be any prouder of him. I mean, it's just the way it is. Where's the finish? Every mile and a half ends the same way it started. Three, two, one, done. With Noah pushing himself to be the best he can. <laughs> Thirteen minutes and thirty-one seconds of father-son time. Awesome! Awesome! Yeah. You know. A time that I'm with him you know even if it's me and him both running
0: you had a great pace going some of you are gonna enter this Christmas season blind I know that you know that you don't know what in the world tomorrow's gonna hold keep a great pace make long strides and gun it at the end love is wisdom I love even more knowing a God who knows and exists what tomorrow actually is going to be. And I'm going to keep holding on to Him. No matter how blind I get about what today looks like or tomorrow, I'm going to keep holding on to Him and I'm going to keep pointing you to Him because He hears you. He hears you. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning in faith that you do. And I, I, I'm just going to lift up some people here that, that may not come to the front, may not go to the back, but I pray they will. So we can wrap our arms around them and pray over them and for them. But please, God, you, you know the darkness that we're facing. You know some of the fears that we're facing. And, and we, we, we hear you this morning. It's when we leave and we begin to, to walk in our separate places and sometimes by ourselves that we, we lose track that we're not alone. Holy Spirit, would you please go with us today in a special way? Some people need it in a very unique way today. And I'm just asking on their behalf, would you please make yourself known so that they know they're not alone? If there's a way we can help with that, please help us to do that. And if you've brought someone here today who's been ready to put Jesus Christ on as their own personal Lord, their own specific guide in this life and just have been waiting to do that, would you please nudge them down the aisle to find me so that they would? And get started today with your hand in theirs and their hand in yours to lead them through a life to the full. We ask us humbly in Christ's name and everybody said. Let's stand and praise Him, church.